ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek, 5 foot 11, 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous, 5 foot 11, 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication. Turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. And we're back with exciting news. Yes, we are now professional. We have a sponsor for the show, which is awesome for us, but even more awesome for you. Indeed, because who doesn't love a sweet, sweet online shopping discount code? And in this case, it's an online shopping discount code that gets you delicious coffee delivered to your doorstep. From our good friends, Prism Coffee, who are four Canberra lads who I've known for a while. Uh, who've all worked in and around the specialty coffee industry for some time now and now uh, out on their own they've got a roaster they're roasting beans uh, and just generally kicking ass with delicious coffee so john how do the people get this amazing discount you speak of go to their website which is prismcoffee.com.au pick from the couple of different blends and some single origins that they've got. You can get it ground, you can get it in whole beans if you prefer to grind your own. They've got all of the options. Uh, and then you use the code PEAKSPEAK in the discount bit of the shopping cart and uh, you'll get a sneaky 10% off and it'll rock up on your doorstep in some amount of time. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I think they express post everything, so hopefully quickly. Perfect. Amazing. And well, that's it. Without further ado, here's, here's the episode. Yeah. Enjoy. Presented by Thomas Lilly and John Sheridan, Baby Cry in the Background, not included. Which means we're back. Another episode we of Peak Speak. Back. 101. 101 Dalmatians. Oh, shit. That's a lot of spots. Was 101 Dalmatians the movie, or was that the sequel? Or was 102 Dalmatians the sequel? No, 102. The, the original is 101. I believe. Yeah. Did you have find- Maybe there's been 101 iterations of Dalmatians. Maybe it started with one Dalmatian. Did you ever find Cruella DeVille like a, just a little bit attractive? Are you a child of the 90s if you didn't have a little bit of a crush on most of the Disney characters? Well, uh, yes. <laughs> I like the way you put it. Because, uh, you know... Some of those cartoon chicks were hot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and guys like fucking Aladdin, Gaston. I mean, he was a bit of a prick, but man, he was jacked. Yeah, but we all know that personality doesn't matter, Thomas. It's all just about what you look like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which exactly. is why we are two people that committed to a faceless podcast. <laughs> That's why the video ended so soon. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm Excellent. sure the people are desperate for a burly door update. Do we Still have no door? Uh, we are closer to having a door. Apparently, the insurance application has been approved. So they're now going to be in contact. I was told very soon, and that was oh. three days ago, <laughs> and I still haven't heard anything. So I think my interpretation of very soon and the insurance world's interpretation of very soon are perhaps too distinct. Uh, positions, but you know, 
at this point, like, I just, I would like to have a front door again. But, mm. you know, here we are. What, what is it at the moment? Is it just boarded up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My um, so because it's the the front door is like a aluminium frame that's the full height of the warehouse, and so mm-hmm. it had the doors and then several other sort of uh, glass panes up it. The whole frame got pushed in from the building. Did all uh, the windows smash? They're all safe. The doors were all safety glass, so they've oh, like okay. cracked but yep. not shattered. Yeah. Um. Then, uh, so my brother who's a carpenter, came in uh, Burley Building, if you're in the ACT, near a house built. Uh, yeah, they he came in on a Friday night because they didn't send anyone to fix it. Mm. Uh, and, like, basically we sledgehammered it back into position and he's drilled some bolts into the concrete and just boarded it all up so that it's, like, you, you could probably still break in if you really wanted to. Uh mm-hmm. But there's probably easier ways to get into the gym than bashing through safety glass and then a whole bunch of wood. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully we'll have a door six weeks from now. Who fucking knows? Yeah, well, I mean, you got, what, Canberra Cup in one, two, three, four and a half weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it would be nice to have a front door by then, but I'm, I am not at all hopeful. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. What's happening up north, my friend? Uh, what's happening up north? Don't know. Wait, waiting for a whole bunch of new gym equipment to come. I am uh, excited to, for that. To finish off the uh, the renovations that we've done at the Gold Coast and tidy up the uh, the Brisbane gym. So that's happening. Um, otherwise, I've got a comp in, in four weeks as well, the day before your comp on the 5th of December that I've decided to – uh, competing so now this is, is about equipped comp yeah yeah now's the time where i need to make a preemptive instagram post that basically lists out all, all of your excuses all of yeah. the excuses and injuries because then i can't did we talk about this last week no we didn't okay because what the important thing about that is that if the comp goes really well everyone thinks it's better oh yeah 100%. overcome all yeah. this adversity yeah yeah and if, and it, if goes it doesn't, to shit, yeah. I mean, <laughs> look at all these pre-prepared reasons I have. It's like, oh fuck! Well, look at look at the nightmare that he went through. He's moving house. He hurt his shoulder. You know, <laughs> yeah. His dog pissed him off one morning. Like, yeah, yeah. Just I've, setting it up. This is what you do about this time. You start dropping hints normally about eight weeks out. Yeah, yeah. Like for maybe sure. it's like a good like a good training plan. It should be periodized over a period of weeks and months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ideally, you have some sort of like, some sort of tragic loss of of whatever sort. You know, <laughs> maybe something's been stolen. Maybe you yep. know you've misplaced lost your car keys. Yeah, so, something's happened. Yep. You have some added stress, work pressure, whatever. Um, you have some sort of physical ailment or injury, and you just start dropping these things. You've got to hit all the categories. There's, yeah. there's so many categories. You, you can have relationship stress, work stress, you know, injuries. And oh, my, the, my training environment was not ideal because I left my pre-trainer at home once. The best thing about this as well is that once you know the formula, you don't actually so need that stuff to happen. You just no. create it. Yeah, like yeah Just exactly. come home, start a fight. You know, yeah, yeah. Just, Mani- you're just manifesting your own destiny. It's great. 
just you know drive along if this happens to be a pole that pops out of the uh, out of the ground and you happen to drive into it quick i need to swerve into this pole so i can pre-prepare my terrible meat excuse yeah if if your dog's not sick you maybe leave his mints out on the bench overnight and let it fester a little bit you you can create these things there's Uh, no reason why you can't manifest these excuses and look that's the thing is all the time you spend manifesting those excuses is time that you would have spent training otherwise. So you're actually just saving yourself effort. It's just actually easier and probably more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like this morning, you know, I'm not feeling tip top. I ran out of my Prism Coffee Co. coffee. Uh, And so I'm I'm not caffeinated. Yeah. That is a disappointing outcome for you. Uh, Mm. I am fortunately caffeinated because I understand portion control and manage to... Uh, you know, maintain a, a steady use of beans over the period of time between deliveries. What beans That's do you use, John? What brand? Ah, I conveniently also use beans <laughs> acquired from our good friends at Prism Coffee Company. Uh, I like the taxi blend. Use mm. the code Pete's Peak Speak. Ugh. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Pete has a podcast too. <laughs> it's less entertaining. Uh, and yeah, you'll get some money off and you'll get fresh, delicious coffee delivered to your door. I believe I they're I, roasting on Mondays and Tuesdays. So yeah, that's the I, best time to order early in the week. I have a feeling that because normally I get my delivery on Tuesday and I have a feeling that maybe it was roasting and is, is the is Australia Post only doing every second day now? One of my lifters told me that yesterday. Yeah, the my understanding was that there's something about Express that is no longer guaranteed as next business day delivery. Okay. But I'm I'm not sure. I don't do enough posting of things <laughs> for that to be an issue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we don't really have a topic today. We really well, no, we have several topics. We, we just spent half an hour talking about potential topics that we should have just recorded as an episode. And instead, yeah. here we are trying to remember the conversation we just had half an hour ago. Basically, it started with me making an uncaffeinated asshole uh, provocative uh, contrasting statement, which is- No, you would never do something like that, Thomas. That's so out of character. That stacking is the new hinging and that it's equally as dumb as hinging. Come at me, Instagram bros. I don't care. I'm saying it. Um, Does that mean, hold on, should we just end the episode there? Should we just like release a five-minute hand grenade (laughs) and then we'll just come back next week to hear Thomas's defense? I've been meaning to make a post about this as well, and I really want to make a clickbait post, but if I start to make a clickbait post, just the nature of who I am, I will have to pick apart clickbait posts. Like I'll be like, This is a clickbait post and then talk hilariously about clickbait posts. Anyway, um, what I'm getting at is that uh, I don't actually think that stacking is a bad idea. In fact, it's it's something that I actively pursue in my coaching and actively pursue for my lifters to achieve this idea of stacking your ribcage and pelvis. I hate the word stacking with a passion because it's been chronically overused uh, and it's turned into directive cueing rather than an outcome rather yep. than the the position that we're trying to achieve. It's kind of like coaching bar path. It's kind of like saying, hey, John, that was a really good squat, but your bar path was shit, so why don't you fix that up for me? It's like that, 
that doesn't help John do anything with his squat. It's yep. like the stacking is the outcome of a series of processes of a series of like biomechanical engagements and alignments of joints, blah, 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 blah. Yes, you are in control of, but the cue of stacking those things is probably not as relevant and helpful as cueing to achieve the stack. Um, th that said, like if you've gone through a whole bunch of drills to align people in the right position and then you use the term stack to achieve that via their proprioception, via their connection to those drills, that makes a great deal of sense. Yeah. Uh, but I don't see a great deal of that. I see a lot of people set using the term as like nice stack. Oh, God. I don't know. I'm overwhelmed. Maybe we should get that on a T-shirt. <laughs> nice stack. Tom bro with the double finger guns. <laughs> That would be good. Uh, I think whoever is in charge of zero merchandise should make that happen. Mm. Uh, I but, won't buy one, but if you could send me one, that'd be great. I, I guess what pisses me off um, about it, and the same thing that I, I I knew I was pissed off about hinging, but I could never work out why I was so pissed off about it. So I never said anything about it. And now that stacking's come along, I think I've, I've sort of started to work out why I get pissed off about these things. Because they become the new like flavor of the month of something really basic, of something yeah. really not new, not exciting yeah, yeah. Um, that people really cling to because they see it as the next big fix of shit that they can't work out. Um, and that's not uh, that's not an Feet attack. Feet was the same as well. Yeah, like, exactly. It's not yeah. an attack at these people using these things. It's more of an attack at the industry as a whole, I guess, as to you know the fact that we're clinging to things because there is no standardized approach to all of this stuff. So we're left mm. to figure out shit on our own. And when we find something that works for a couple of people, we just think it's God's gift and we cling to it like crazy. We think it's the answer to everything. Yeah. And that I think um, leads nicely into into two points. One of them that, that I mentioned was the idea of uh, like the, the science around motor learning and motor control talking about uh, constraints-based mm. Uh, motor learning and and movement being an emergent property, right? And, and what you're saying in like a, a stack, for instance, is that the position of your rib cage being stacked over the pelvis and your ability to maintain that through the squat is not because you've told them that's what you want. It's because you've said these are the constraints. I want you to be able to you know hold a brace, maintain that sort of position, resist the force of the barbell, those sort of things and maintain that through a range of motion and then the stacked position is a result of those constraints that mm. you've placed. Yeah. Right. And I think that that is a – it probably uh, shows a deeper understanding of what's actually going on. And, and I know you've talked about the – the levels of understanding of coaching about being able to recognize what it looks like and that it looks wrong and being able to potentially correct what it looks like, but not necessarily the actual outcome that you're looking for. It's, it's a much more surface based understanding of what's going on. Uh, and I think that's actually what, uh, is the crux of your saltiness. It's not the crux. It's one of the cr many cruxes of your <laughs> multi-layered pile of salt. Uh, it, it, there are even different kinds of salt. There's rock salt. There's table salt. Anyway, uh, some Himalayan salt. Yeah, this is Himalayan uh, pink salt right here. I, I'm, a I'm a fan of the Murray River pink salt. But anyway, um, yeah, I think that the crux of the issue is that 
it's actually just exhibiting this surface level understanding that a lot of people are parroting about. Mm. Hey, I saw these people, you know, guys like Pat and uh, Pat Davidson and like Zach Couples and all the guys that like I know Will's a big fan of and a few others that have like sort of come into the the Australian powerlifting lexicon in the last couple of years. Uh, and I think there are people that have taken all of this knowledge and been like, fuck yeah, these guys are the best. And they're not actually understood what's going on behind the scenes in order to get the outcomes that you're looking for. Mm. And that's not necessarily these people's fault because like you said, there's no standardized approach to teaching this. No one's, or there's not enough encouragement of uh, critical thinking and actually understanding the processes that goes on underneath the surface. And, uh, yeah, I think that's the real problem. Yeah, I, I think uh, ex extrapolating further on that point as well, as, uh, as you mentioned, these people becoming part of the Australian powerlifting lexicon or the powerlifting lexicon in general, um, I think that's part of the problem. Uh, when, we're, when we're drawing inspiration from uh, people who are not preaching powerlifting and then apply it directly yeah. to powerlifting rather than taking inspiration from that, and you know yeah. applying it into a powerlifting system if that makes sense like yeah yeah you know taking direct sports science or sports performance focused approaches and being like oh that sounds really good i can justify it for this where it doesn't actually make that much sense yeah um, because i think there's so much value in learning from people like that and i think you should actively be learning from people like that either as a lifter or as a coach but like you always talk about this like critical thinking approach and being able to analyze and work out what is the value that I can draw from this and what mm. tidbits of information are going to be relevant to my system. That's yep. where people tend to really struggle and that's where it becomes scary. I think the, the scariest thing for me, if we're talking specifically about this whole notion of stacking, this whole idea of aligning ribcage and pelvis, again, is fantastic with the assumption that someone is performing it with a brace, right? just aligning things in position without the supporting musculature, without the intra-abdominal pressure, without the breathing embrace, without all the things that come as part of the complex system that is a brace is dangerous. Arching your back is going to be protective of a poor brace when you're going through torso flexion under load. It, that, mm. it sounds dumb, but if you are actively now pulling your spine into neutral or just using the cue of stacking to the point where now you put someone into spinal flexion without a brace, under load, you're going to run into problems. Yeah. I feel like my microphone is really fucking loud. It hasn't got any louder while you've been talking. I think yeah, no, you just no. lent into it a little bit. Yeah, I've just you got yelling, all excited and yelled at your own microphone. Yelling. Yeah. Classic Salty Thomas. It's He's back. It's been a few episodes, but we missed you, Salty Thomas. Yes. Uh, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. You, you know, the, the concept of it being an outcome is so much more important because it helps you focus on the processes that achieve that outcome. And those processes are really what you care about as both a lifter and a coach. You, you, the, the outcome is just a byproduct, just like, uh, just like, you know, losing weight. People are like, oh, I really want to lose weight. It's like, do you want to lose weight? really want to stack my ribs and pelvis. Do you really want to stack them or do you want to achieve a, uh, a good brace and, and, you know, uh, a stronger movement as part of that? there'll be this stacking, yeah. this alignment. Or like to, to take it even further back, like don't you just want to fucking squat heavy? Mm. And like the outcome is you want to squat heavy and there are a series of processes that allow you to get the closest possible result to squatting heavy. Uh, and if you focus only on the outcome at any point, then you lose 
elements of the process. And if you focus only on the process, then you also lose elements of it. I think being able to see the bigger picture of this is what I'm looking for and then also understand each of the the steps in that process that you have to be able to execute well are the things that are going to make a difference in the long term. Hmm. A big part of it as well, and I say this so much in my coach development thing, um, when uh, as a coach, how much of the stuff that we see and that we know and that we understand do we actually need to voice? Yeah. And how much of that stuff that we voice is then becomes harmful for the lifter, not helpful? Oh, man. You know, that is and, such a problem. So, like, for example, when, when I'm analyzing deadlifts with people, um, oftentimes I'll say, now, I would never, ever, 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 like, I would never, ever say this to this person. Like, let me reiterate, I would never say this to this person. But part of the reason they're having a hard time of achieving this position is because their arms are relatively short compared to most people. Like, yeah. why would you never say that to the person? Because now you create a roadblock for them. You also create a justification for both of you to be like, oh, you deadlift shit, it's because of this, rather yeah, than yeah. here's all you the stuff that we deadlifts. can work yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's very much the same case here. It's like, stop staying this language of something that people aren't actually you know, looking to cue or control. It's it's more like, again, it's an outcome, just like bar path. Stop yep. talking about the bar path to the person because it's, it's so unhelpful for you to hear while you're performing a squat. Yep. Oh, your bar path was a little bit off. Like, who the fuck cares? Just focus on the things that you need to work on. Then the bar path will correct itself. Use that as a metric in your own head. Stop fucking talking about it. Use the stack yeah, yeah. as a metric in your own head of a better brace, of better upper back tightness, of better alignment of pelvis, of better dynamic stabilization. Stop saying it to the person because the people create a complex of it. And then they start to, you know, be like, oh, you know, my squat is so much better because I'm achieving this stack, even if it's gone to shit. Yeah. Yeah. And the language thing, that's the thing that you touch on there that I think is really incredibly important. And the more I've matured as a person and as a coach, the more I've recognized some of the things that I've said in the past have been detrimental in the long term. And I think I'm trying actively to actually say the least amount possible. Like I, I want you in most cases to do the minimum amount of thinking to achieve the result that we're looking for because mm -hmm. it leaves us then room to hone in on particular pieces if we really need to. But for the most part, if the system self-organizes in a way that's close enough to what we're looking for, then you can just get the work done and start to build on that as a base rather than diving deep into these nitty-gritty minutiae subjects mm -hmm. and pieces of information that I find fucking fascinating For sure, because that's why this is what I do for a living, right? Like this is why we have a podcast. This is why we do this stuff because it's fascinating and we can talk about it all day but the average person who's walked in off the street with two years of experience in a commercial gym probably doesn't need to understand a lot of that uh, to the depth that I do but also then the way you describe these things is so has such a significant impact upon the person's ongoing mindset that you can really like you said do some really serious damage the the other one's like uh Things like being called syndromes. Uh, I always like the upper and lower cross syndrome. Oh, like the, the reason you've got hip pain is your lower cross syndrome. It's like, man, you, what you've done is tell someone that they have a syndrome, which is immediately, whether they recognize it or not, immediately set off this massive alarm bell in their head where they're like, oh, I've got this thing. I can't possibly change it. I'm ruined, you know. Uh, and so much of that has... 
ongoing long-term effects that maybe don't actually manifest themselves for months or years, you know? But two years down the track, this person's like, well, the reason I haven't made any progress is because of my lower cross syndrome and that's why my mm. back hurts. And then nothing fixes it. And it, it becomes this spiraling issue that's all related to just a, a poor excuse for a description of a, a problem or, a, a like you said, a, a, a description of a problem that doesn't need to exist. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need – it's a discussion that doesn't need to have happened to achieve what you need – what you're looking to achieve. For sure. That, that syndrome thing is so interesting because it is so hard from both uh, parties, right, from the client and from the coach. And, like, yeah. I mean, you and I can speak to this because we've worked with thousands of lifters and we've experienced things like this ourselves, right? I think of my hips, right? I uh, I still battle every session with does my hip actually hurt or am I feeling it because I've spent the last seven years feeling it? Yep. You know, how, how much of this is real and how much of this am I making up because I'm so used to looking for it? Yes. Um, and same thing when you get a client who is so convinced that they have all these, these problems, how much do you as a coach acknowledge it to make them feel heard, but how much do you dismiss it to make sure that you're not creating a complex in their head? You know, do you, they come and say their knee sore and every single, or they hurt their knee 10 years ago and every single exercise you do, is your knee okay? Is your knee okay? Is your knee okay? They start to go, fuck, is my knee okay? Yeah, <laughs> rather than exactly. just doing it and bringing it up if it's not okay yeah um and so it's the, the observer effect yeah the, the, there is like exactly what you just said before there is so much power in language yeah uh, we have to be really careful about what we say and that extends to cueing as well like coming back to the whole rib cage and pelvis thing and, and stacking thing again like i can i can draw on this because every single bracing cue in under the sun that you can think of i've probably used on someone at some point to arrive yeah. to the cueing uh, structure in the way that i coach people right now right and i think of one lifter that i had uh and so what is one of the most common cues is to like brace like you're gonna get punched or push your stomach out into your belt right yeah. I can't remember if I've told the story on the podcast. I'm not going to tell the whole thing because it goes for ages. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I I went through a phase of teaching people to push their stomach, push their abs out into yeah, their belt, you know, you know, brace their stomach in that fashion. He came and saw me for a session. We fixed up his squat a little bit, went, became an online coaching. He was on the other side, of, uh, online coaching client. He was on the other side of town. I was saying this cue to him every week. Squats are looking great. Just need to work on that bracing. Make sure you're pushing your stomach into your belt. He was misinterpreting it after a few weeks as rather than brace into his belt like we talked about in the session as like arch his back and shove his stomach forward into his belt and he fucked his back yeah. and it's like well brace into your belt push your stomach out into your belt that sounds so simple and i showed him how to do it but through the power of language he was doing exactly what i told him to do and he fucked yeah. up his back we if, if you're telling someone to stack their rib cage and pelvis that's all well and good because you want to see that happen Ask yourself, how can people screw this up? Ask yourself, can someone stack their rib and cage and pelvis and not have relative muscular tension and not have a relative brace? If they can do that, then they can fuck up the cue and they can fuck up their body. So yeah. maybe we need to rethink the language that we use to convey the message that we're trying to send to these people. It's And that's part of the reason that I think for a lot of people, uh, in-person coaching is almost always more powerful than... Uh, online coaching, like uh, coaching after the fact, mm -hmm. because you can have these conversations in real time 
and understand the the translation errors basically whereas when it's like i'm writing you feedback and then you read it and then you try and interpret it and then you try and interpret it in terms of a physical outcome there's so many steps in that process that there's so many just opportunities for it to become an issue. Mm. Whereas in real time, you can be like, you could have seen that he's gone from actually being able to brace and push out into a belt to like actively arching into it. Uh, and the breakdown becomes more evident quicker, right? Mm. It, it's not that it doesn't exist. It's just the whole process is sped up because yeah. the, the feedback happens in real time rather than delayed. 100%. And, uh, you know, I would... Um I would come back to that statement and be like, well, that shouldn't be the case because we should have better skill at yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, understanding sure. how to cue and understanding how to yeah. use our language. But we don't get taught any of that stuff. No. So I 100% agree with you. The quickest way to learn it is to try all these cues on people and be like, well, fuck, that didn't work. Fuck, he yeah. did something weird or she did something weird with their body. Yeah. Um, like like that's, that's how we learn and how we get better at using our language. But if only there was a, a, a coach development system that taught people how to think about this stuff, oh, it would be a, a, a amazing. Actually, on that note, <laughs> it's zero.com.au. I love how this is increasingly just becoming an ad for coffee and Thomas's coaching development program. <laughs> <laughs> We've done 100 episodes. We've earned it. So we can sell out now. We've made yeah. it to 100. We can just become advertising whores. Yeah, 100%. I'm on board. 100%. Sign me up. Uh, yeah, I look, I, it's all, this is all the stuff that I wish I'd learned early on, but having said that, I don't know if learning it in a system would have worked well for 20 year old John. Like I feel like some of the learning that I've done through making these mistakes and through having these conversations over the years is kind of hard to teach. And I know that like you do it and you encourage it and all of those sort of things, but it's, there's still something to be said for the actual on the ground experience of having made these mistakes. Because until you, until you see that like, oh, that person's taken this cue that I thought was a really simple, really clear cut objective cue and they've fucked it. Like mm-hmm. completely and utterly done the exact opposite of what I was looking for. <laughs> what a fucking idiot. Look at this dumb person. I can't believe they're so stupid. Uh-huh. And then what you have to very, very, very quickly realize is you fucked up. Yep. You it told was, them what to do. It, yeah. It was 100% your fault. And it's only upon recognizing that that I think can you really start to assess what you're actually saying. Mm. I think you can have the best intentions and you can think really critically about what you're saying, but until you fucked it up a few times, blamed it on the person who you've given the cue to and then been like, I actually know I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. Uh, then I think you're in trouble. Yeah. hundred percent. And I mean like it's, it's one thing even with the coach development system that, that I can't teach. And it's something that I bring up and I'm real about a lot in the system, which is the art of coaching. It's like, yeah. um, you know, cueing one, one thing with cueing is like, I can condense cues down into language that makes sense for the base cues of the biomechanical rules that I teach in the system. But one thing I say to people, and one thing that I can teach to people, is that the language of cueing does not dictate scale. How much do yeah. you actually apply that cue? And even once you know and understand how much you can and can't apply that cue, you still have to take that knowledge, that cue, that understanding, 
and make that call on the fly with the person in front of you. That is mm-hmm. the art of coaching, that application of what what do I do with this knowledge and information? And that's something that just can't be taught. And like you yeah. say, you're, you're only going to pick it up with experience on the fly. It's, it, it makes it a little bit tricky. Yeah. Yeah. That And the uh, art of coaching is a, the right description, I think, because it's, it's a very like, you know, soft skill is probably the technical term. Mm. Uh, it's a skill that some people have in spades to begin with and seem to have this sort of innate connection and, and understand it very quickly. And others, it's like butting their head against a wall trying to develop that over years. Uh, some people never make it out of the phase of, I think, having that sort of surface level understanding and maybe through their own... Uh, insecurities or something like that they they never quite develop the critical thinking skills and the self uh, analysis skills to recognize that they're the issue but um i think if you're a coach and you're wondering why you're not getting results for people it's probably your fault It's it's the good enough approach. It's like, okay, well, this cue, this style, this this approach that I'm taking to teach a squat works for nine out of ten people. The tenth person just doesn't get it. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. Your approach is incomplete. Your mm. approach needs to work for ten out of ten people, but it only works for nine. You need to figure something out to make it better. And ten out of ten people at scale. Like mm. when person number ten is Will Crozier and person number one is you know Thomas. Jen. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not quite I feel like you're closer to 10 than you are to 1 in that instance but yeah if, if person number 1's average you know 40 year old woman who just walked in off the street who's yeah. never lifted anything in their life it might maybe it's a different conversation because the language is a little bit more advanced for that more advanced person but the concept scales regardless mm. and I think once you've got a system or a, a, a series of principles or concepts that you can scale up and down quickly and with ease, then you're beginning to be in a position that, you know, you can have developed your coaching philosophy to a point where it's going to be successful for a long time. Yeah. And if if you're a client looking for a coach, exactly what John just said, that is your measure. That's your yardstick to use. Not, is this person really strong? Not do this, does this person coach really strong people? You're looking for, can this person produce results in whoever comes to see them? Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, you can, you can like, and Louis Simmons is a great example of this without ragging on Louis Simmons, because I know we do that a bit. Um, people are like, oh, he's a world-class coach, like coaches all these world record holders, that sort of argument. It's great, but he's also incredibly selective about the people that he brings in. Mm. Like he's hunting that high end part of it and they're you know taking one percent and making that one percent better and that's not to say that's a bad thing but that's different from a system that actually scales from joe blow to everyone else uh because you're being super selective about what you let into the system if your system only accepts input from one little area to actually get results out of it then you're in trouble not not only that but the viewer bias as well you're, yeah. you're looking at the people that you see coming out of that place, not all the people that go into that place and don't make it and get weeded out, right? Yeah, or, or break or that sort of thing. Yeah, it, 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 like I have conversations with my lifters all the time that, are, you know, when they come on board and we have our initial chat 
And they're like, okay, well, yeah, you know, they're like, oh, I'm just looking forward to coming on board. You coach all these, you know, amazing people. And it's like, yeah, I do coach a lot of amazing people. They don't make up the vast majority of my clients, though. Yeah, you know, yeah exactly. I, I coach a lot of people. I just coach people, you know. Yeah. I, I coach a great deal of people and I make them better. That's that's my, that's my job. The, the big, strong people, yeah, they're part of it, but that's not my business. My business is coaching people to be better regardless of whether they squat 40 kilos or 400. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing that I think people, f- people don't recognize is that for people like you and I, the person going from, I can't squat an empty barbell to squatting 40 kilos is at least, if not in some cases, more exciting than the person going from squatting 280 to 300. Mm. Uh, I think the, the progress, regardless of who you are, is the thing that I, I know, at least speaking for myself, that I find interesting and exciting. I like seeing people make progress. That's why I do what I do. Uh, and it it doesn't matter what level that progress is at. I find it inspiring regardless. Mm. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if that is easy to see from an external standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but f- yeah, for me, it's it's all interesting. I find it all really exciting. I, I don't care what you lift. I care that what you lift now is not satisfactory in your head and you want it to be higher. Mm. Uh, then yeah, let's do this, right? Like that's the that's the journey regardless of where you're at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always interesting to kind of think and, and reflect back and, and be like, you know, I, I spent X amount of time with this person. What's the long-term impact that I've had on that person? And that's really exciting to think about, especially yeah. when you, you know, uh, I, I have very, 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 very few um, client interactions where clients have left me and it's ended poorly. You know, yes. so, you know, I stay in touch with my ex-clients or I watch them continue to lift and I think, fuck, his, his technique or her technique or their technique is still looking great. And it's still looking yeah. like it's, it's you know, a lot of the changes that we made. You know, I'm really grateful that I had an impact enough to maintain that person's technique without completely overhauling it for... Um, you know, X amount of time that's contributed to them continuing to make gains with their next coach and their next coach and their next programming style and their next whatever. Um, I think that's fucking awesome. And even being able to see like progress that doesn't look like that, progress where it's like, hey, I worked with this person for a year and now they don't lift anymore. But, you know, these changes in or changes that were made in the gym that have come across as ramifications in real life, Mm. you know, like they are a stronger person. They, or even like you found something you didn't enjoy. Like, I think that's a really cool thing as well. Like you spent a year doing something, decided it wasn't for you and now you're pursuing other things. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. Like I I find all of that interesting uh, because for most people it's because you've, you've found something else, you know, and I, I don't think, pursuing high level powerlifting is for everyone. Mm-hmm. I like it. Lots of people like it, but it's not for everyone. And people acknowledging that is cool. Like not doing something because they feel like they should, or they feel like they're, they're sort of uh, required to, but actually being able to pursue something that they're really fucking keen on and that really lights their fire, I think is, is a cool kind of progress to see that doesn't just involve more weight on the bar. Mm. Yeah. Sweet. It's about all I've got to say. I think yeah. we did well for an episode that we pre-recorded without recording, and then yeah, I mean, yeah. It was, it was it was better the second time round. So I'm really not a salty person, by the way, people. I'm really nice, so don't don't take my anger in the wrong way. Don't listen to him. He really is.
<laughs> I'm, I'm just going to continue to push the idea that you're the saltiest person in Australian powerlifting. And um, <laughs> we both don't. That's definitely <laughs> not me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't think you even fit into the top 10, to be honest. Uh, we, we can change that. Well, you we certainly could. <laughs> uh, if you let your true saltiness come to fruition. No, that's for pre-show banter only. All right. We'll catch you all next time.